0: Welcome to the Knowing Podcast. We're here to talk about healing, about insight, about cultivating and living from our own internal wisdom, and about the intention to live beautifully and compassionately as a human being during these times. We're really happy you're here. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back. I am Sial. Good morning, Allison. We're here together. hello. Hello. I'm so, I'm so happy to be here. Um, sitting in the early spring, well, I suppose June rains up here and, uh, it's been pretty intense and I don't know, up and down kind of intense energy in all areas still up here. Does feel similar for you, Alison?
1: Um, yes, it's, it's felt intense. It's like everything is really fast. Um, there's protests every day. Um, and And so things are opening up, I think because of that, and also oh, things okay. are just we're entering phase two in New York um what that means exactly, I'm still unclear of, but people are kind of just out and about more it's it's getting hot, there's fireworks mm. every single night, which is a whole other thing oh, wow. um, like yeah, there's
0: for the protests or
1: um. Well, I guess it depends on how much of a conspiracy theorist you want to be. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah. there are there are fireworks in every neighborhood, and it's in what? a way inexplicable because normally there'll be a little bit of fireworks leading up to Fourth of July, right? But it's very early to start that, and it's like really professional grade fireworks um wow. which is the kind of suspicious part because as we know these are very expensive um and it's it's every single night i think it's been for 2 weeks now what in all kinds of neighborhoods yeah
0: and like at late at night or like what time of the day like
1: through the night like it'll it'll no. start when it gets yes it'll start when it gets dark and it'll go um well that is horrifying into the night yeah Oh my so that's God. why there's a little bit of like, where are these coming from? And that's where you can get into your all like kinds conspiracy. of. Yeah.
0: So Well, but understandably, just, I mean, like that's like torture, you know, like, yeah. are you trying to keep people in an, in a perpetually
1: agitated state? Like that, yeah. that's, that's horrifying. Wow. I know. So, huh? and it feels like that. I mean, honestly, it's been so hard to feel grounded in yeah. any way. Even going really slow, and I've been trying to go really slow. I've started, like, working out, moving my body, just doing anything. And it's like, it's a challenge no matter what.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, it's... I mean, I I really can't speak to the experience of being in a city at all because it, I mean, it feels intense to be in a small town and people are, you know, still feeling really intense, heightened emotional energy and stuff without any of that other kind of intensification of just an urban setting. So yeah, it's, I mean, I I can't remember if we um, talked about this on a previous podcast, but like this, this sort of proposition or the suggestion that has been made by i've heard from some buddhist teachers you know that this is the the easiest and the hardest time to become enlightened as a human being mm-hmm. enlightenment is like this great awakening and alignment and knowing of your truth uh, and the truth of the universe and it is the hardest because there's so many ways that we can potentially distract or numb or you know otherwise avoid mm-hmm what's happening in our lives but also the easiest because of that intensity it really does force us to to practice right you you actually can't get away with not taking care of yourself not grounding not you know figuring out how to slow down and center because i mean it's it is like standing in a hurricane you're going to be swept away in it and i mean some part of that though does and I don't know if it is it's appropriate to say feel good, but like it's is useful sometimes to get like really in, you know, in, wrapped up in it and, and like engaged mm-hmm. in a big way. But it's also so exhausting and not right. something that we can sustain. Right. <sighs> yeah. <Yes>. It's, it's <laughs> an intense time. I mean, it really, and I, I think I referenced this too on a previous episode, but just like um, I listened to this woman an astrology hub and she was she had a guest on and she was talking about this year is like this sort of triathlon that, you know, it, we have to expect that what we're going through, you know, we thought the first part of the year with the pandemic was really intense. And she's like, okay, so that was the, the, whatever it is, a 10 kilometer swim, uh, 10 mile swim or something in a triathlon. And then sometime in April, we, you know, got off uh, or got out of the water and came onto land and started our like hundred kilometer bike ride. And she's like, that's going to go until like August or September. And then we're going to start the run. At the end of it, you know, and it's all in preparation. Not. I know I was like, Holy shit, are you serious, lady? <laughs> like, this is this is terrifying, but also, like, it was harder. good to hear, though. Yeah, but it was good to yeah. hear to be like, Okay, so we must pace ourselves and you know, prepare yeah. that, like, we're not going back, and I'm, I'm not you know really that engaged in in prophetic sort of practice in any sense but like we're not going back to like life is just this easy mellow kind of experience after this these are like transformations on such a mass scale that you know like this is this is gonna be a process for quite a while and needs to be and that's beautiful but man it it does require us taking care of ourselves and and keeping alignment to the best of our abilities right and I think that was sort of what we were thinking about exploring today you know is um allison pulled the the bones card allison do you have the book that goes along with the deck with you i
1: do yes i do would you
0: read the part of the the bone card because i think it's really appropriate
1: i think to what we wanted to bring up so it says our bones are the supportive structures of our entire being and as such hold within them our most core beliefs about ourselves and our place in the world We may undervalue ourselves and create weakness in our bones, in our core concept of self, or we may live from a place of confidence and faith in our capacity. And our bones will be strong, flexible, yes, bones flex, and painless. If your bones are calling for your attention, it is a request that you attend to your self-concept and acknowledge where you are undermining your best interests as an individual by judging or not appreciating yourself. The pain we feel in our bones is meant to stop us, to request attention to the core of our identity and relationship with self, and to offer the opportunity for a conscious reformation. And the question that goes along with it is, am I a good friend to myself?
0: Mm-hmm. Man, I can be really wordy, Hey, eh? Sometimes I read my own writing and I'm like, <laughs> wow, how did you fit that many words into a sentence? Jesus, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's good. It, it, it is good. It, yeah. Oh, well, somebody, some actually, as in a total aside, but someone reached out to me once, and they're like, "When you rewrite this book, can you like not have so many run-on sentences?" <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, "I didn't even know that I was that bad at it, but yeah, somewhat wordy."
1: No. So when it, you honestly, you need okay. that, you need that dis- description because
0: I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, I mean, I these cards, so those of you who have not interacted with the deck, you know, and, and maybe those of you who've seen it from a distance, it, certainly people, I think, frequently think that it's like an animal spirit deck, you know, maybe with some plants mm-hmm. thrown in there, too. And then um, I often get messages from people once they actually receive it, and they're like, oh my God, I didn't know that it had all of these other components. You know, there's there's four different sections to the deck, and, and the section that the Bones card comes from I, think I called Soma, which is um, the Latin root for, for body, and the idea being that, you know, we... We listen to certainly messages in the shamanic tradition, messages that come from animals and and things that cross our path in the third dimensional world and our animal guides and and whatnot. But we also um, really derive huge amounts of wisdom and insight through listening to the body, listening to what's happening in the body, you know, and, and not... Um, negating the symptoms or sensations that emerge from the body as is fairly typical in Western medicine. You know we we tend to look at a symptom. Here I have this pain here, and it's like, how do I just get rid of the pain? There's no intelligence that is is given to the the somatic self um, as a vehicle for for wisdom. So, this was one of the things that I really appreciated from my teacher was like teaching me the very her ancient lineage way of understanding all of these messages. Um, so mm-hmm. the bones were were a very big bones and teeth. I spent a lot of time working on with her because they really do speak to the relationship we have with ourself, but also these core beliefs about what we think the world is about, what we think other people are about, you know. And and mm-hmm. um, her teachings were you know. A, I didn't include that in the write-up, but like if you have um, very judgmental, very uh, rigid beliefs about other people and about the world, you know that the world is is you know out to get you, or other people are just inherently bad, or or whatever. That that will manifest as a rigidity, a, a sort of um, brittleness in the bones and the teeth too. And it we need mm-hmm. this this flexible um but solid you know there's a definite paradox in that you know with with our beliefs and also our bones we don't want them so uh, wishy-washy that they're not stable and they don't inform um, a core sense of strength within our being but we also don't want them so rigid that they're they're breaking easily and they're they're
1: brittle so right that makes sense it does do you feel like in some way without like medically diagnosing people, obviously, that it's like if you are a person that has bone issues or you've had a lot of, like, instances with the bones, this is a lesson Mm -hmm. for you? Or is it...
0: Yeah, I mean, I... This is, you know, this is a very tricky ground where, like, I certainly don't, I don't ever put myself forward as, like, a so-called medical intuitive and and a diagnostician in terms of, like, oh, this is Mm -hmm. definitely, like, the root of your issue here. But, I mean, for me personally, as a practitioner, um, I mean, I've broken both my legs and three ribs from coughing and my arm and, you know, I've had multiple teeth problems and, yeah, I've, I've broken a lot of bones very easily. I was raised a vegetarian and I think maybe some of that sort of hormonally didn't allow for solidity in my bones, you know, so I'm not attributing it all to the fact that I I lacked a sort of core sense of self for a lot of my early years, you know, but that definitely, I mean, I don't break my bones anymore and I'm certainly less stressed and there's so many other factors, but but I, mm-hmm. I do think it was it was a very big part of the teachings that I received from my, my first teacher you know around what do you believe? what do you believe about yourself? what do you believe about yeah. other people? what do you believe about um, you know the, the world at large? And the question at the end of that write- up, you know am, am I being a good friend to myself? I think it feels a little bit tangential, but I, I feel like it was a way of getting people to reflect on, like, what do you believe about yourself? You know, like, what are do you think that you are some inherently, like, flawed or, you know, distorted human being and you don't deserve, my tree, what we call um, unconditional kindness or friendliness in the Buddhist tradition, you know, and, and that mm. really is is sort of writ large in our bones and the way that our bones are are functioning.
1: There's part of me that it's like, I don't know if this just speaks to my own specific brand of neuroses, but I hear you say that and it's just like, does anybody, <laughs> does anybody actually feel like, yes, I am deserving of unconditional kind? Like I've uh-huh. never met the person who is like... Uh-huh naturally Mm -hmm. like that. And I guess that, I don't know if that speaks to like, that doesn't exist or just like the people I hang out with or me or (laughs) or what, but it's like, Mm -hmm. how do we, how do we actually really get to that place? And I think that in some ways, I think that as I get older, for sure, there's part of me where it's like, I expect more, Kind of kindness and general respect. And I just like in general mm-hmm. put up with a lot less bullshit. Although there's mm-hmm. still a lot that I'm working through with my relationships. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I don't know if it that ever feels like really complete, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, for
0: sure. And I mean, this is, you know, we, we've danced around and, and talked about this in previous episodes. And, and it informs... Um, certainly both lineages that I have studied in really, really intensely, the shamanic practice and then um, Buddhism, you know, is this, what you're speaking of, this core sense of um, what I would call toxic shame in a more psychological sense. You know, this is not shame Mm. because we've done something. It is actually a foundational Um, sort of entity in our consciousness that is not based on, you know, you're a piece of shit because this, this, and this, you know, (laughs) it's just like this core sense of like, what is wrong with me? Like, why? Why is yeah. there something wrong with me? And I mean, as is called, you know, original sin in the in the Bible, as we've talked about, you know, which mm. um, I think I referenced too. And we, you and I have had a lot of conversations about wetiko, this this or windigo, mm. the virus um, that European colonizers, you know, brought to Turtle Island to North America. You know, is this this self consciousness and it this this disease of shame you know, of, of toxic shame. Healthy shame is a very good and very necessary, decent thing, you know, where it's like, oh, I just did this horrible thing. Now I should feel shame. That makes sense. But what all of us are locked into until we have truly faced our shame. And and maybe we'll get back to this in a second, but, and, and what that actually means. But, we, we are all motivated unconsciously by not wanting to feel this core sense of like, am I okay? Do I belong? You know, does the earth love me? Am I supposed to be here? And I mean, this, is, this belief is the founding father, the founding entity of Western capitalists society right is like there's something wrong with you now you go you go prove yourself go fix yourself go make enough money so that you you know feel okay about yourself it's this sense of depravity in in all of us for sure but um i mean in in the buddhist tradition you know the teachings and in the shamanic tradition is that we we move towards that which scares the shit out of us and we train in building i mean this sort of speaks to the bone card but also um, really this like internal muscle to sit with discomfort. And uh, this, you know, I think this is where people are like, fuck Buddhism, this sounds horrible, I don't want to do this. You know, it's same with shamanism, you know, it's like, it's not right. like, ooh, here's this really nice way that we're going to bypass these uncomfortable things. It's It's literally training ourselves to... Move towards that which is is horrifying, and that which our our entire you know wounded ego self is like. Nah, I don't want to go there. We're going to figure out all the ways that we don't have to feel that right. And this is this is training. It is extensive practice to, at some point, finally sit with that shame and feel it, and and everything in our body or in our being, in our our trained you know habitual mind will. It is death. It is death to the ego. That's what it is. The ego is based entirely upon that shame being there. And if we face the shame and actually sit with it and learn to experience it and not have it control us anymore, the ego is annihilated in, you know, we still will have a healthy sense of our definition as an individual, which is the so-called healthy ego, but the neurotic wounded ego can no longer exist. We can't, we will not be controlled by shame anymore. And I, I mean, that's... I think you
1: what? How do you begin to face the shame though, so it's like how do you begin to, yeah, where it's like, what does that look like, I guess that it's like is it about recognizing when you feel shame and and really mm-hmm. asking like what is this i I guess it's mm-hmm. like that feels like something that in this moment right now where like I feel generally okay, it's like, oh yeah, theoretically, mm-hmm. yes, ready to face my shame. But when I'm actually <laughs> feeling shame. <laughs> yeah.
0: Nope. No, it's thank like,
1: you.
0: Oh, I don't know. Uh-huh. No, totally. I mean, there's so many, you know, the, the, the bountiful world of practices and perspectives, you know, is, is both a, a boon and a burden, you know, I'm really alliterative this morning. It's quite exciting. Um, The, (laughs) the world of like, we have so many ways of, of looking at this, right? So from say a Western psychological perspective, we'll say, well, we need to learn so-called affect tolerance, right? Where we have the ability to feel a feeling and not do our subconscious, automatic programmed response to that feeling right and as we've talked about previously you know most of what we do as human beings is not actually because we want what we're moving towards it's because we don't want to feel something right we are trying to avoid a feeling and so if we want to actually come into a place of consciousness and and being able to you know be awake in our, our world and make conscious decisions not from just our subconscious um, patterning and habits we have to actually be able to tolerate those feelings right and everybody's got different sets of feelings that they are uncomfortable with depending on their family of origin and their upbringing you know of like what did you not get taught how to feel some people did not get taught how to feel sadness or jealousy or envy or sh- you know, most of us shame is is off the limits right And so Mm -hmm. in a Western psychological context, context, um, Eugene Gendlin's work, which you and I have used before, Alison, is is called Focusing, and it's a somatic-based conversation. I mean, he, he really frames it as a conversation between the brain and the body, where the brain... Is uh, it's it's put in its I believe its rightful role, which is to listen to the body and translate the messages of the body. Now, um, what our brain usually is is doing in a Western cultural way is is it's it's coming up with its own stories. It's not actually listening to the body. It's not listening to nature. It's not listening to anything outside of itself. It is serving, um, you know, as the the be-all, end-all, it thinks that it's the source of intelligence, right? And so we listen to the crazy shit our brain tells us all the time instead of using the brain to translate the messages coming from the body. So focusing is a way of putting that relationship back right, where the brain is, you're telling your consciousness, like, no, I need you to listen to these feelings and don't immediately narrate a story about what the feelings are, but just let the body talk, right? And that is really affect tolerance. You're, you're learning how to feel that feeling in us. You know, like where is shame in our bodies? What, what color is it? What temperature is it? You know, does it have a texture and a, and a weight to it? You know, and, and we learn to stay and we, we feel it. And again, our consciousness is like, no, 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 you, you can't stay with this feeling. You have to do something to get away from it because we all learned that we had to do that in childhood because shame was a death sentence in childhood. Because if if you were feeling shame, it, you, you were feeling basically that mom and dad or anyone around you did not love you, you were not capable of taking care of yourself when you were a child. So you had to behave in a way that was going to please the people around you. And shame is a, is a motivator in that sense, right? Right. And as an adult, you know, we still are, we're still, bought into that and and I mean certainly we pass a quality of toxic shame down to our children too you know which Mm -hmm. which is just part of our sort of social fabric now you know but but as adults, we have to challenge those stories that we inherited about, like, if you feel sadness, then you're you're not lovable, right? And that's what right. our subconscious is really saying. And so we have to be challenging ourselves to feel our feelings and still go, no, 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 I'm, I'm good. I'm here. I'm present with myself, right?
1: Mm. Yeah, that's the, the tricky one because it's like, I think in your mind, you not just want to get away from the feeling, but you also want to solve it. That it's like, I want mm-hmm. to fix it, especially if you feel shame over something mm-hmm. that you did feel like you were in the wrong. Like I Completely. I felt shame a couple of days ago because I upset a family member. Um, and so I could watch the cycle happening in my head, but it was like, at first it was like, I did a bad thing. I feel terrible. And then it became like, cause I never do anything right. <laughs> like right, I, it right. was like that was in there. And it was like, I was feeling so bad. And then it was like, I hit a wall of feeling that shame. And I was like, it, it was like, I was a little kid again where it was like the mm-hmm. shame turned into anger of like, it wasn't that mm-hmm. bad. Like, do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm beating mm-hmm. myself up and defending myself at the same time, but to oh, actually darling.
0: like, <laughs> I'm not laughing <laughs> at you. I swear. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
1: I know, I know. Because it is ridiculous. And I'm like, Mm. I was even watching like, whoa, this is exactly Mm -hmm. how, this is exactly a pattern that I haven't felt in a long time because it was, Mm -hmm. I mean, I just haven't, you know, felt like reprimanded in a long time. Um, And so there was this element that it was like, whoa, I am a little kid again right now. And it's like, I didn't know what to do with, I didn't know what to do with the, Useful shame, which is like I felt remorse right. because I hurt someone, and that's good because I did something that hurt someone, and so it was mm-hmm. like I couldn't sit with that. I had to make it into a why I didn't like deserve to feel that bad about it. But it, but right. no one was making me feel that bad but me because I was the one telling myself I never do anything right. <laughs> so I mm-hmm. mean,
0: mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy, really. Making it will and, and it's wonderful i you know I, I hope that you can um well in a sense congratulate and, and acknowledge us and like the ability you know as uh, as practitioners for us to actually see what's happening and go whoa i went from here to here to here and it was like this like crazy cascade of events psychologically you know emotionally that i i, don't, I couldn't even control you know it's like it's like watching this just like I don't know, game and it you put a marble in and everything just goes, you know, and you're like, Jesus Christ, like how did that actually happen like that? You know, when we can see it though, and we're not completely invested in it, you know, the There is a part of our consciousness that is acting as the observer. You know, this is a really that's that is said to be the hardest step, right? Is um, in the Buddhist tradition we say if you can practice while distracted, you are well trained. And what that means is if you can remain observant of what is going on while you have been triggered or some sort of habitual process has been turned on. You know, you know, emotionally or psychologically, then then you're you're doing good. You know, this is this Mm -hmm. is a good thing that we can actually know. Notice, Like, I went from healthy shame to toxic shame, and there seemed to be actually no boundary between the two, you know, and that's a really right. good thing to notice. Now, from a shamanic perspective, when we are working with our, our, our suppressed emotional selves, so whatever emotions, whatever experiences we were not supported in having as children... Um, in the shamanic tradition, what that creates is soul loss. Okay, so say you are a four-year-old kid, and um, something really tragic happens, and you're really sad. And mom and dad go, "Stop being a baby. Stop crying. It's not a big deal. You know, you'll you'll get over it, right?" So you, are right in that moment, you're like, "Okay, I need to I need to have mom and dad approve of me in order to be safe. So I'm going to do what they want, right? So I'm going to suppress my sad self because there's no space for it here." And in fact, we'd say, I'm actually going to cut off from my sad self entirely. And I mean, maybe that's a whole other episode of, you know, the shadow formation and the the, uh, unconscious self, Right but we fragment from that part of us that is feeling sad. Now, in the shamanic perspective, we fragment from the part of our soul. We literally tell her to stay where she is being for and we say we don't want you with us. We we want you to stay back here because the rest of us is going to go on through our lifetime and and you're not a lovable part of us, right? Yeah. And so In order to do the healing work, you know, of of what we're speaking about, of like reclaiming our emotional selves, having a so-called affect tolerance in a psychological sense... um, from a shamanic perspective, we want to go back in time and figure out how to be that good parent, in a sense, you know, that loving person and presence to that part of us that is still, there's no linear time in shamanic frameworks, you know, she's still experiencing that. She's still having sadness and then feeling shame and, and, you know, stuck in that kind of loop, right? right? So I know this seems almost like you know, like we're fragmenting ourselves into even more pieces by exploring it this way. But really this idea that, you know, we've, we've done this our whole lifetime. We've broken off from parts of us saying, mm, I don't like that part. I'm going to leave her off in this little area and move on. And then I will break off from the next part when she has a reaction in, in our healing process. It's like, we're going through time and trying to pick her back up again and say, I, I approve of you. Right? So yeah. the part of you, does that all make sense? Sorry, this is fairly long winded. No, it,
1: it, it does make sense, but it's its like how, how do we get in mm-hmm. there?
0: hmm. So sometimes when you are working with a practitioner I mean this is something that I can do for people that my teacher would do for me is actually you know go on a soul's journey and and go back and try to convince that part of someone's soul self that they're going to be loved now they're going to be received mm-hmm. and they're going to be approved of in in today's moment in this moment right Now the challenge though is that unless the person in this moment is is doing their own work and kind of preparing themselves um, and and really going to be receptive to that part of their soul self, that soul self might come back and immediately get sent away again, right? Because we are not actually okay with our sad self, our jealous self, our whatever, right? We still uh, don't like her. We don't we don't want her right. around. We've decided that she's an unlovable part of us, right? So, I mean, it's I I, I am not averse to doing it for people. I just it doesn't tend to stick. It doesn't tend to, you know, my teacher would say, you, you'll you probably have about 48 hours before you're going to banish her again because you're not used to, you know, her being with you and, and you approving of that part of yourself, you know. And so right. it's like understanding our stories and saying, like, what were the emotions that we were not allowed to have when we were a kid, you know, or, or you know maybe in this moment do we not allow ourselves to have and the way you know which emotions you don't allow yourself to have are they're the the emotions that you judge in other people right they're the things that you really Mm. dislike in other people and that is for sure what needs to be reclaimed and built a relationship with for yourself right right
1: I I feel like the thing that we've talked about before that I still always kind of come back to as I maybe like figure it out in a cerebral way is that it's like um it, but there's this fear that it's like, you know, inviting that part of you back, there's fear around it making you like a very messy person. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like <laughs> oh, totally. they, they take over and so it's like, okay, mm-hmm. so now I'm like freely feeling sad and jealous and like egotistical and yep. whatever. It, it's, it's like if I invite those things back, then it's like, am I going to turn into... A monster, you know. So maybe does this,
0: this brings me back to bones, Allison. Are you a monster? Is there any way that (laughs) any part of your core self could come back and you would be awful? Like, look at that belief. Yeah. Like, there's no way. I mean, there's no way in my belief system. Like, no person is fundamentally bad. Like, people are basically good and beautiful. And, and, you know, the part of us that's so scared of that part returning and taking over and making us into some, like, batshit asshole is, like, (laughs) it's the wounded part of us that's so scared of our beauty of our of our perfection that you know it, it tells us all of these lies as they call it in the Toltec tradition you know it's this parasite that lives in our brain that's like you know if you're not shaming yourself then you're up you're just gonna be a lazy manipulative I don't right. know bitter piece of shit who's just like abusing everything around you when in fact you know not believing that we are basically good, that we are made divine and we belong on this earth, that's the basis of all of our cruelty, of all of our nastiness and, and you know, the damage we do to each other and the whole system, you know. And I mean, mm-hmm. we have to challenge that, that storyteller, you know, and, and say, I don't want that belief anymore, you know. And, and I mean, this is, you know, I know it seems simplistic and, and a little bit, naive in a sense to even propose this, but it's like you are allowed to believe what you want. Why would you believe that you are basically like, you know, if if the, all the parts of you were to be returned to you, that something would be wrong with you, right? Why would right. you believe that? That's
1: a good point. Well, I feel like that's, um, that's a big th- thing of bones for me as I've worked with the cards, where it's like I feel like yeah. they show up in a way that's also very tied to ancestry. And I feel like yeah. that's something that we're all being asked to look at so deeply right now, where, which is like, we're all kind of trying to repair like mm-hmm. sins of the father, basically. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's like, for, for me, bones are like, yes, this is at a core me, but mm-hmm. I literally got my bones from the people before me. So there is something mm-hmm. tied in there where it's like, I mean, <laughs> not to push it off on like, well, I feel this way because so many people before me felt that way. But I think that there's mm-hmm. some truth to that. And there's like a reclamation of of bones that it's like, how am I my own friend, but also how has, you know, the people in my family... Mm -hmm. pass these beliefs on to me. So it's like, yeah, yeah, is it my belief that I'm a monster? No. But I picked it up somewhere that it's like, unless I'm like in a perfect package, so to speak, or presenting that way, that it's like, you know, there's danger there. And I actually, I get that. I get that. That it's like, people are cruel. People can be cruel. And so it's like, when you aren't presentable, there is backlash that you get. And I think that it's like if you do kind of open up and become vulnerable and you're lucky enough to get a good response from that, great, it helps. But if you open up and you're vulnerable and you get stung again, I think that there is an element that it's like, I guess what I'm saying is that it's like in an isolated world, I think that it's easy to do this work. But then when it bumps Mm. against other people's stuff where they also are confronted with, Oh, I'm uncomfortable with this behavior and I don't like it and I'm going to punish you about it. I think it it's makes it harder. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes it ex-
0: completely makes sense and it yes, it makes it exponentially harder and I mean this is the if to call it the perpetuation of trauma, right? We are traumatized. We are wounded. We are fragmented and and dissociated from our our core self, and that leads us to hurt other people, and then they're hurt, and then may maybe either hurt themselves or they hurt other people, right? I mean, this is if there's one truth to you know what what the colonizing civilization spread around the world, and um, saying Resma. Manikin was talking about this with Krista Tippett on On Being, you know, he's like, you look at the roots of Western civilization, it is trauma, it is, is constant uh, re-traumatizing of the self and other, you know, and, and just perpetuating it constantly. Yeah, human beings are not who we go to, to find safety. And I say that carefully, because certainly, I know that, you know, we need to have a certain amount of connection to humankind. But, You know, and I think I've referenced this previously on maybe on a podcast. I can't remember if we were talking about it privately, but that in the Buddhist tradition, you know, the the thing that Buddha went to at the last moment when he was encountering this shame that we're talking about, this core sense of like there is just something wrong with me, you know, it was the earth he asked for, not other people, Mm -hmm. because other people are wounded. They they can't give you that perfect reflection back. You know what I mean? This is the mythology of Jesus was that he was able to do that. He was able to give back to people only love. But I mean... I don't know Jesus, and I don't know anybody who knows Jesus or anybody like Jesus. I mean, I'm pretty sure, like my my teacher Palma was about as close to that as I've ever experienced. And I mean, truly, you sat in her presence and you were loved. You know, and people who interact with Ama have the same kind of experience. You know, of just going, okay, here's this person who is approving of me entirely. You know, and and they're not right. going to hurt me. But like, no, the majority of us are not interacting with these kind of individuals on a daily basis, right? And so right. I think we have to go elsewhere, you know, and this is it's not because humans are bad. it's just because you know the, the, yes, our founding fathers, our our lineages are writ with trauma, you know and and trauma right. creates inner anguish that we don't know how to deal with, right and I mean, maybe this is the third, if we may component of of prepping ourselves for doing this work is that, We need to be doing, you know, so-called vagal nerve toning practice, like things Mm. that are actually teaching us how to deal with our trauma a little bit differently. And I mean, this can range from, you know, cold showers and saunas to singing to probiotics. There's like a bazillion ways that you can tone your vagal nerve, which is really how your body de-escalates, right? Trauma escalates. And and when we have stored unintegrated trauma in our being, when something triggers, we escalate, right? Our our fight or flight goes off, you know, and we go into a sympathetic nervous system reaction, Right. Well, we need to train as individuals in not doing that. How do we practice bringing ourselves down, right? And part of this is certainly going to be learning self-regulation, so-called, you know, like whatever your breath practices or, you know, thankfully, again, we have an abundance of practices available to learn this. But also some co-regulation, you know, I mean, I feel like I do this with clients is is helping them move through that place when they've been triggered or escalated and, and come back down again, you know, safely. Um, But this is, this is pretty new, right? I mean, this has not been a common language in our society of like trauma, right? And, and our expansion of understanding what trauma is and how it shows up and, you know, how we work with it is so exciting and so essential for us to undo these like common threads that have been then through our society for so, so, so long, you know, and and that are the roots of everything pretty nasty in our society, you know? So that also is a really key component of of being able to even sit with shame because again, If your shame, if an emotion comes up that you are uncomfortable with, your nervous system will go off like you've met a bear, you know, it will go berserk because it's like, you are not safe. No one's going to love you if you feel this feeling, right? Go do something so you don't have to feel this feeling, you know, and for some people that's like, go drink something, go eat something, go buy something, go keep yourself busy, go numb out, you know, like we all have our different sort of like set of, uh, nervous system kind of activation responses, um, to stay with it requires that we know how to de-escalate our own nervous system, right? And that's like a, mm. that's a serious practice. And right. we, we are, <laughs> as you can see in our society right now, and certainly on social media, social media does not support de-escalation, you know, in terms of emotional energy, right? It's, it's this hotbed of us like getting more and more activated. It's very easy to go on there and just like get more and more elevated, right? Yes.
1: I guess that's like that's the ultimate medicine, even in the card of bones, that it's like, how are you your own friend? That it's like, again, I guess my my question I recognize is like, how do I trust people with my open, vulnerable self? And it's like, maybe I can't. And so how do I trust myself with that? Right. With my wholeness?
0: Right. And that's, you know, like, can you... And are you willing to do that soul reparative work, you know, of saying, what parts of yourself do you banish, Allison? You know, like I I was a um, heavy drinking, whatever, addicted, early 20-year-old shit show, you know, on, on like every level of my life. And... I, for many years, when I was doing a lot of my soul retrieval work, I would never think about her. I hated her so much. I thought she was such a piece of shit. She lied, she cheated, she stole. She was just nasty, you know, and in my mind. And as soon as I would think about her, I would feel shame and I would just be like, no, I can't even think about her. Like, she was, it was just this like five year period of my life where it just was crazy you know like and I I couldn't go there and I couldn't be a good friend to her I was banishing her you know and then realizing and at some point I think it was in reading Carl Jung's work you know where he was like I can't remember how he put it but basically when we form the shadow self we fragment from these parts of ourselves and say "Ugh, like that part's gross I don't want her around I'm gonna put her in a box somewhere we don't fragment just from the parts we think are gross what is also fragmented from are like beautiful parts of ourselves. When we fragment from our sad self, we also cut off from our joyful self. You can't, I mean, as Brene Brown says, you can't numb emotions selectively, right? You, you can't just say this part's gross and, you know, I'm going to cut out the nasty bit and then that's great. You also lose some magic, right? And, and my right. mid-20s self was like super vibrant and she was ballsy and like a little bit off the rails, you know, a lot of the time. But like when I finally decided to be a good friend to her and approve of her and like stop shaming the shit out of her, all of this energy came back to me of like being confident. Like I didn't realize that she, I was banishing my confidence too, you know, my, Mm -hmm. my, and my like kind of self-motivating energy. Like it, 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 it was messy the way that it was manifesting back then and being played out. But like it was, she was not horrible, right? And and we have to be a good friend to ourselves and know, I mean, again, in the Toltec tradition, you know, from a four agreement standpoint, like people are not going to be safe for us, you know? And I know that's kind of a sad thing to actually admit, but like even the people that are closest to us, they're going to hurt us, right? They're going to do yeah. things that are not going to be perfect. They're not going to make us feel good about ourselves. And this I think is not cause for judgment of them. You know, like we we have an expectation that people are going to hold us perfectly. And and I think that sets up a lot of misery in our lives, you know, like have the expectation right. that people are doing their best, you know, that people are inherently good and when they do fucked up things, it's cuz they're dealing with their own trauma in a weird way, you know, but like can we can we cultivate these are my bones, right? Is is compassion and understanding that like if people are being that way, you don't have to put up with their shitty behavior, you know. I'm certainly very boundaried as a person, but like I'm not going to call them evil and I'm certainly not going to judge them as like some horrible being. I might not want to spend time with them, you know, but like, those are different things, but compassion is a bone, you know, basic goodness in the tradition of Buddhism is a bone. It's, it's like, I believe I'm basically good. You're basically good. The entire world is basically good, you know? And, and I, I, like those foundational beliefs, Are going to have, you know, ramifications in the way that we show up in our world and how we relate to everything, right? And I mean, if we believe something else, like that people are basically bad, like that everybody's, you know, kind of evil and we have to control humankind, like where does that get us,
1: right? Right. Oh, yes. I feel like that's really relevant for now, especially where it's like we're really trying to navigate changing behaviors but not condemning the people.
0: Yeah. And I, I really, you know, we're looking at, like, I mean, the Reformation, if we're going to look at police operations and the judicial system, and I mean, the, like, the beauty of, like, restorative justice and, like, these programs that look at people not as just fucked up, you know, and, and irreparably so, irredeemably so, like, can we frame ourselves i mean i mean this is the hard thing is like doing it for ourselves is hard doing it for other people is hard you know but start looking at ourselves not as these nasty beasts who need to be controlled and 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 policed and stuff but like and i mean that across the board you know this is this is what whatever that sickness was that emerged you know in in the european long ago mindset and spread throughout the world like this is this is the core of it is that like we are, we're we're not good beings, right? I mean, we got thrown out of the garden. Like what, what is that? Why, why do we believe that? You know, nature, nature loves us, you know? And I mean, that's, again, that's where I have to go back to and had to certainly in order to kind of come back into my own being and, and loving myself was like, my, interacting with the elements and going, here's the wind loving me, here's the water nourishing me, here's the earth nourishing me, like remind myself that I belong here, you know, and, and reclaim that belonging, not from other human beings, because that was, it is really, really hard, you know, to expect that other yeah. people are going to make you feel good about yourself, right? Right.
1: Well, and it's hard to develop those relationships in cities and online it's like the all the places that we have access to right now especially in quarantine and especially for people in more like you know in cities where it's like you know how do you connect to nature when you're trapped in your apartment and and your kind of only outlet is is your technology and
0: yeah and your imagination I mean, this is the thing mm. I think that you know. One of the most, perhaps the most underused tool that we have is our imagination. Our brain does not discriminate between us imagining something and it actually happening. We'll have the same set of biochemical reactions, you know, if you're mm. thinking about something happening. So, I mean, as a in the in my teacher's tradition, I was called an ilfo, which is a, a tree spirit, and so I was connected to trees in a past life, and still very connected to trees. And, um, when I'm feeling unsupported, I will close my eyes and imagine myself leaning up against a tree or hugging a tree and touching the bark. You know what this feels like, right? And yeah. it's, imagine that like we, we can do this and, and I'm, I'm not saying it's a, the perfect substitute and it's, it's, it's certainly not like something we want to do forever. We do want direct third dimensional contact with nature for sure, but, you know, we, we use our mind to imagine so many shitty things, so many things that make us True. upset. <laughs> and, you know, like it is again, like as, as Einstein said, and this maybe goes back to like focusing practice too, is that the mind is a terrible master and a wonderful servant. And what is it a servant to, you know, and most of the time the mind is our master and we're listening to it and it's dominating our body and our relationship to the elements and everything else, you know, like it's running this, this story with this kind of shitty parasitic, like narrative that says you're a bad person they're a bad person everybody's bad and everything you know is is a mess and and let's talk about it and then we'll somehow you know feel better by by griping about it or something you know like tell our minds what yeah. we want it to focus on to focus on breathing in air that was made by the trees for you you know and and i mean i as a huge fan of Robin Waller Kimmerer's work. You know, one of the main things she puts forward is like this idea that like the earth loves us. It's we're not, alien here we're not we're not wrong you know and and we Mm. believe that and we have to practice not believing that and and that's i mean these are lifetimes of work that we've got ahead of us you know but like to start practicing by going i can i can just imagine being in contact with nature right i can imagine it when you're drinking water this is nature right we don't we don't have to go too far to encounter like we are nature too really you know but when you yeah. drink a glass of water, it's like, here, this is, this is the elements loving you and nourishing yourselves, you know, and we can practice doing that. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I don't know. This the, the whole, the understanding desire, I think, as we've gotten more and more fragmented as human beings, you know and this, the experience of being on social media and living on the internet and stuff, we're so craving connection and we're looking mm. in the wrong place for it, you know, because I don't think that it will come through social media. I think social media is amazing and it offers a possibility of connecting with people on the other side of the world, but maybe that compromises the connections that we actually have in our immediate life, you know. And, right. and so can... Can we reclaim like the the actions in the in the immediate world, you know, that we're taking in the connection to people here and the connection to our own bodies? I mean, again, our bodies are nature, you know. Like connect with that, as we we do in the shamanic traditions. Like, you put your hand on your own heart and actually say, like, I am grateful for you. I am grateful for this muscle that is beating all the time. I have this like. Bizarre way of framing my own body as you know ninety percent bacterial because we know that nine out of ten cells in your body are are bacteria that I'm like I have you know probably five thousand tiny little creatures different species of creatures living in my body that I'm responsible for like I'm I'm supposed to be nice to them and here I am like bitching about things in my head all the time and thinking about how mad I am about stuff I'm hurting those bacteria that are in my own body right I'm hurting my own muscles you know and and we like again a bone is is to for me a belief is to say like can I be as loving as possible can I cultivate and plant seeds of kindness you know in my own mind which is maybe the hardest but this is where again Tonglen always comes up of like blessing other people hoping for their healing right and and then we grow this muscle in us where we get better and better at being able to um, show up in the way that we want to because I think a lot of the time that feels like what happens is we have a way we want to show up and then when we actually are in it we're, we're presenting very differently
1: mm. I, for whatever reason what you're saying is reminding me of Dave Chappelle's latest special 846 I haven't which
0: seen time? it I've, I saw it got posted and I, I've I been meaning to watch him. it was it oh I love Eight. him too
1: it's it's brilliant. I mean, he yeah. I genuinely do think that he is some of our best commentary of our generation. Yeah. I think he's a genius. I genuinely do. And he um and also like the way he uses humor to talk about like the deepest stuff but Mm -hmm. he says he was talking about George Zimmerman who killed Trayvon Martin and he was like I hate him and he was like I he goes well I don't know the guy I haven't met him but I hate him as an idea and he goes I mean the joke Mm -hmm. is that he's like but I'm sure if I met him I'd probably hate him too but (laughs) I think that that's (laughs) that's the thing I think that we're really dealing with now I mean in a in a You know, micro way just ourselves, and a macro way where it's like there's there's things that I'm not happy with as an idea, and how do I separate that from not liking Mm. myself or not liking Mm -hmm. the person? Where it's like I don't like that I did something to hurt someone. Yeah, but how do I make that? And it automatically goes to because I'm a terrible piece of shit and I hate myself. Do you know what I mean? That it's like how do we not like ideas? but yeah. still love, you know, the person exhibiting. I,
0: I really, I mean, I, I, I know that it maybe seems like a gross over, oversimplification, but it's like, what are our core beliefs? What do we believe about people and the world and ourselves, you know? And I mean, we it takes a lot of work to actually go into those and go, wow, I didn't even realize I carried this core belief, you know? And I mean, I think this is a lot of what racial justice and the cultural conversations going on right now is like people uncovering their basic biases about other people you know but you know can we can we not stop there can we go you know into all the biases that we carry about you know life and and really kind of pull out this virus, this parasite that's been informing the way that we show up in the world and how we create our societies, you know, and say, like, why do we still have this? Like, what what use is this, you know, of believing that people are... Uh, somehow evil. You know, I mean, I I believe that actions can be horrible and and, and terrible and evil actions, but I do not believe in evil people. And I believe that, you know, that is something that we need to be questioning. Or if we have the capacity, I don't think it needs to be or should be mandated for every person. Everyone's on a different journey. But if you are in a place where you're like, huh, I want to encounter this, then maybe it would be useful. You know, I, Uh, again certainly to disclose my own informing beliefs is that buddhism is is foundational that like people are basically good and that's the entire you know starting point you have to start there in in interacting with the world and with yourself you know if you actually want to achieve some semblance of healing um Mm. but you know again we don't have to do this it's not mandatory you know just, just as an aside oh go ahead yeah
1: I was just gonna say it's there's there's a lot of people that are easy to do that with, and then there's like a handful of people yeah. that I'm like I don't know that I got that for you yet. Yeah, totally. let's say yeah um, yeah. There's there's sometimes that it feels like it's pushed past the point of no return where it's like you're like just I can't I can't see the yeah. the human in you still based on yeah. your actions. I mean, yeah, totally. It's a tough
0: one. It is. It is tough, you know, but if we look at um, criminals, right, and and like if we really take the time to learn about their life and how they experience like what happened to them in childhood and like there's never a person that I've encountered where you don't look back and find a deeply wounded eight-year-old, you know, at some point in their life, something horrible happened to them. And, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, and I've said this to you before, Alison, because I I do work with criminals sometimes, and I do believe that some of them should be kept locked away from society permanently because they are so hurt and they are damaged and really unpredictable characters, but they're still not a, you know, a deplorable human. They're not somebody who we write off as just being like, I don't know, evil. Like they, they were born that way, right? right? I, I just, I won't let that be part of my belief system. And that's, that's totally my choice. Nobody has to take that on. But that's what allows me to love myself, you know, is that then right. I don't have condemnable parts in my own being. Because what we extend to other people, we're certainly going to be reflecting internally as well. The Knowing is an IntelliKey production and was recorded and produced on the traditional unceded territory of the Northern Suquamic people. All music, editing and production by Brent Morton at Bell Tower Audio. May our hearts and minds remain open. May we meet this day. With equanimity and compassion. And may we remember our belonging to this earth, to each other, and to all that is.